heart is just some feeling If you wanna leave, I'm with it This is Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Dr. Eric Topol is a scientist, a cardiologist, and an author. He's the executive vice president of Scripps Research, which is one of the most important medical research institutions in the world. He also serves at Scripps as a professor of molecular medicine. Also, my niece is a physical therapist at the Scripps Hospital there. <laughs> oh great yes that's the truth as i yeah. as i was putting this together i thought oh that's right scripts because in journalism we think of scripts in a different way because of the scripts uh chain of newspapers but right. they also have done all this fantastic work for science and medicine and whatever um let me just mention for it before i welcome you here uh his twitter feed is at eric topol and i'm telling you friends it is a great resource for statistics and analysis during this COVID pandemic. I'm very pleased to welcome to Rumble, Dr. Eric Topol. Welcome. Oh, great to be with you, Michael. Really. Well, no, thank you. Thank you for the work you've done. I love reading your Twitter feed. I know that's not a thing most people will ever begin a sentence with. I love fill in the blank Twitter. But uh, the truth is that you put out so much good information that is easily digestible for just the average person who is not a doctor doesn't have a science degree and also i feel like when i'm reading what you put out that i'm reading somebody who's not afraid to speak the truth whether it's good news or bad news you're not filtering it so that i the lay person uh can quote handle it all right so thank you for that Oh, thank you. No, that's what I try to do. Tell it like it is. Uh, so tell me just a little bit, uh, just for the listeners. I mentioned this about my niece working at the hospital there. But but Scripps, exp- explain what that is and why it's in San Diego. Right. So there's really two different Scripps rela- related to the medicine and the, and the science. Uh, they're different institutions. Scripps Clinic or Scripps Health, that's where I, I see patients. Uh, but most of the work we do is in an entity called Scripps Research, which is, as you um, highlighted, is a premier biomedical research institute. So um, they are both committed to, you know, doing uh, excellent work. But, you know, the one that uh, I lead um, is really trying to uh, make an impact, particularly during the pandemic, of the best possible science that will ultimately uh, have an impact for better health. And what does it have to do with, in terms of COVID, your specific work? Right. Well, almost everything you can imagine. So we have uh, very active genomics. So I think we're the second largest genome sequencing of the virus uh, in the country. 
We uh, also have the largest digital project where we track COVID through people's Fitbit or fitness band or smartwatch. And we we can pick up things like long COVID, vaccine response, uh, outbreaks of COVID. Um, and we are working very hard on pan-coronavirus uh, vaccines. So instead of variant by variant, we would actually have a vaccine that would knock out all these viruses in the family. And uh, we're excited about that approach. Those are just a few examples of kind of work we're doing. So I've been really impressed with President Biden and how he's handled this and how he's moved very fast and very, very much forward, not backward. And it has been impressive. It has given me hope, but my heart sort of sunk. When he came out and he said, look, you know, yes, we're trying to achieve herd immunity. Um, but what I want to just say now for our goal for July 4th is let's try to get to 70% of the adult population by July 4th. We'll have at least the first shot and then we can have a nice July 4th. And I just went, oh no, he, and the look on his face too, it was like, I, I just felt like he, he got some bad news that we weren't going to make it, that we were never going to really have herd immunity. We weren't going to get to 80% with both shots. And, and now he's had to settle for what his advisors or people who've told him, this is as far as we're going to get. And I just was like yelling at the TV set. No, 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 don't, don't get, we can do better. We could, yes, I know, I know we won't get to a hundred. I know there's going to be 20% who will just simply refuse to do it, but we can get to 80. We, a lot of people aren't doing it because they're afraid. Or, you know, they got their first shot, then too many people told them how they had a fever after the second shot or their arm hurt. And they didn't, 5 million haven't gone back to get the second shot. So I just was, I just wanted to tell him, don't give up on us. Uh, I know it's difficult. If we were Belgium, there'd be just a few million people we'd have to convince. But we got 330 million, so I know it's harder. Tell me that I should not give up hope here based on the what seemed to be a fallback position that we'll just try to get 70% to get one shot in them. Right. Well, I'm with you, Michael, that you don't want to be complacent here or relax uh, the goal. Um, so the 70% by early July is probably attainable. It's not going to be a slam dunk like the 100 million shots and then the 200 million shots, but it's attainable. But it's not enough. Uh, there's one thing that isn't being taken into account that's going to get us to 80%. And that is, the, the, if you will, the silver lining of having had a pandemic out of control in the U.S. throughout all of 2020 during which time we had well over 100 million Americans who got COVID and still have uh, a very intact immune response. Mm -hmm. So uh, although many of them are getting vaccinated, a lot of those people were the ones who were refractory to wearing masks and distancing. And it's estimated that 50 to 60% of those people are not going to be vaccinated. They're in that 20% that you alluded to. So, that isn't even being discussed as far as far as you know where we're headed, why things are starting to improve throughout the country, 
why we've finally gotten below the 50,000 cases per day average, which is still a long ways to go. But we are making progress, and I do think we can get to that goal of at least 80% of people who have a strong immune response, be that natural uh, or vaccine-induced. Um, as you know, if you have had prior COVID, you're going to get even another boost with a vaccine, one dose. So it isn't that we shouldn't encourage people who've had COVID not to get a vaccine, but a lot of people don't even know they had it. Um, so that's why I think we're going to get there. You think we're going to get there because because you're combining the number of people who've had COVID with those who've gotten at least one shot and and also the what they, I think, as we're recording this, 37% now have had those who needed two shots have gotten the two shots. You think all that combined is enough to get us there? And if it well, is, then why, yeah. why, did, why did President Biden seem so not to... I mean, he look, he's he's an upbeat sort of guy, uh, but he's right. all, but he's not a phony. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he kind of lays it out straight, and uh, you know. But no matter how many times that dog bites somebody in the White House, that dog isn't going away. So, so you know what I'm saying? There's something honest yeah, about yeah. Biden. Well, I think you you've touched on an important point. Is he's responding to advisors, and this term herd immunity, which is quite misleading, actually. Is, is somewhat confusing because what we really want to get is, you know, as a few cases um, a day in this country as possible. Right now, we're about, you know, 15 per 100,000. And the UK and Israel, which have really kind of led the charge of vaccine campaigns, they're down to uh, less than one in Israel or, or two in the UK. So we have a long ways to go. And whatever it takes to get us down to that one or less per 100,000 people, that's when we get control, true containment. If you want to call that herd immunity, you can call it whatever you want. But that's really what we're talking about. And the problem is, is that people got uh, uh, the idea that we're going to get to zero, well, you know, Michael, we can't get to zero because we screwed it up so bad the first year. We we basically, we didn't have any testing for two months and we let this virus spread throughout the country and get rooted. And now if we can get to one per hundred thousand, that's damn uh, impressive considering how big this country is and its population. I think we'll get there, but it's going to take a lot more work and it's going to be uh, uh, this reach it actually is a reach goal of the 70% of first dose, but we can't stop there. We got to keep going. Do you think it's possible? Do you think, do you think we can do this? We as Americans? Well, I think there's many strategies we haven't even started with. Like uh, first example, since we talked about a health system, why isn't every health system mandating every healthcare worker to get vaccinated? We've had hundreds of millions of people who've had these vaccines uh, extraordinarily safe. We mandate flu shots, and flu is, you know, one-tenth uh, as lethal, if if not more, than COVID. And we also um, have a vaccine that's 95% effective. Flu vaccines are like 40% effective. So that should be done, and no less we're seeing universities start uh, man mandating vaccination. But why, uh, why, why, is it, why isn't it being done? I mean, in my hospital, you're right, uh, it's not mandated. Uh, yeah. other hospitals, it's not mandated clinics where doctors and nurses are. It's not mandated. Now, 
I read a statistic that said 90% of doctors have gone it, but that means 10% of doctors are saying to hell with it. I don't need the vaccine. Nurses, it's, it's, not, it's not anywhere near 90%. Well, I don't understand why, why is this just not a rule? In a healthcare facility. Well, why isn't it though? What what happened? What happened? It's it's pitiful, and the reason is there's this excuse that's being used that it's a vaccine that has emergency authorization, not full licensure, which is a technicality, which is requiring the FDA to issue a so-called BLA, a biologic licensing. And that's not going to happen till sometime in the the summer at best. Uh, Mm, So, but this is a formality. Right. When you have such an extraordinary safety and efficacy profile around the world uh, and, and powerful vaccines that will, you know, crush this virus, the fact that we're waiting for this, you know, waiting for Godot, it's just crazy. So that's the problem we have right now is that we are hiding, you know, we're, we're using inappropriately the, this uh, full licensure excuse. Now, there have been some health systems, uh, you know, like it. Uh, Houston Methodist, uh, you know, a few around the country that are starting to um, mandate it. And we've seen at least 80 universities now come out. But we've got to do that much more. And that's the quickest way, including employers, large employers, to get us on track. There are many other ways, of course, besides mandating. But, you know, that, those are the things that that President Biden alluded to, which is, you know, making it ultra convenient uh, dealing with a counter-offensive of disinformation, which is, you know, profound out there. It is profound, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and we're not taking that seriously. Um, but also the things like, um, you know, the education on the safety. So many people still think that this is unsafe, that it was rushed, which couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, it actually went through a very rigorous review. Um, so, you know, I think we have a lot to do to get this. Um, we will get well beyond 70%. And I am with you, Michael, on your point about let's get to 80. Let's not stop there. We have phenomenal, miracle-like vaccines. There's never been a vaccine except for HPV that has this efficacy, no less this safety track record. And so why not take advantage of it and get uh, as high a, a proportion of the population as possible to get protected? Speak to the the people who are listening to this right now who um, have not gotten their shots yet because they're afraid. Uh, they, they have, it's, I mean, legitimately or not, they, you know, we have a thing in us as human beings, a thing of fear is that we have a, some kind of built, a built-in filter that lets us know when we need to be afraid, when we need to run for cover, um, when we need to call 911. Um, you know, and we, we know, we seem to know when those times are, this seems to be like, it should be one of those times where, um, the shot is free. I went, I went and got my shot. I I couldn't believe it. I not only didn't have to pull out my wallet, I literally didn't have to show. They didn't want my credit card. They didn't, they didn't want my healthcare card. They didn't want anything but my yeah, name, yeah, yeah. they wanted you my your, name and they wanted my birthday. That's it. Right. You, you had your first taste of universal health care. That's what I said to everybody. I said, yeah. I, I think yeah. Biden has unexpectedly given, <laughs> given us Medicare for all, except you didn't even have to show a Medicare card. Right. It was like, right. but, um, or, but I shouldn't, you know, 
for listen, friends who are listening to this, don't tell your conservative brother-in-law that he'll be getting uh, 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 his first shot of socialism uh, or socialized <laughs> or socialized medicine. Don't repeat what I just said. None, none. But what? But Dr. Topol, seriously, what? What can you say? Because I know that there's the. I'm not talking about mega people who are not getting their shots out of loyalty to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I I run across way too many people that have said many of the things you just said that. The, the shot was rushed. We don't know. We've never had this virus before. Uh, Trump was pushing it to get done so he could get reelected. Uh, on and on and on. Uh, the big one I hear, I'm stunned to hear this one, the fetal tissue uh, argument. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you wow. know, I'm yeah. like, you know, and... and, and stuff that gets made up. I mean, it's the, amazing, really. Yes. So what do you say? Let's assume if they're not listening to me right now, their brother or their sister or their coworker is. And I want them to be able to take from you to them the facts. Right. Well, firstly, you know, back in December, when we first had the vaccines out there, these mRNA vaccines, you know, Pfizer and Moderna, we only had the clinical trials. We only had only 75,000 people with a placebo-controlled trial, and those were the largest trials of vaccines ever done. But still, you could say, okay, well, maybe there were some things that could happen that they just didn't see, and it would take millions. Now we have hundreds of millions of people, you know, hundreds of millions, uh, almost, you know, 400 million people who've gotten the vaccines that we're using in the United States, and we've yet to see serious Side effects. I mean, it's really remarkable. The, the worst case scenario for the most part is just, you know, the flu-like illness. Now, the funny thing about that, Michael, is I had that on my second dose. I kind of expected I would. And, and you know, a good solid day, I was kind of knocked out. And I was thinking the whole day, this is a whole lot better than getting COVID any, any, any time. But my wife, you know, she always has um, reactions to medications, she was really afraid of getting the vaccine, especially the second dose. And I, you know, had to convince her that it was worthwhile and that she's going to be okay. And she got the second dose. She didn't even know she'd had it, you know, she had besides having a sore arm. But when I talk to patients, uh, which is a common thing that need to have that kind of extra um, uh, support, that they're going to be fine. Uh, you know, it could be like our, our son who is afraid of needles, or it could be that the safety concern. The idea is that it's not just being uh, um, afraid, that is, of COVID, which you just don't know. Even if you think you're healthy, you think you have a great immune system, this is a very nasty, rough virus, and anybody can get it. doesn't matter who healthy you, you, you think you are. But the other thing is afraid of getting someone else inadvertently infected and hurt, possibly even dying. That's what people need to be concerned about is not just themselves, but the effect on others, even unwittingly. And I think these are the things that help convince people that it's worth the idea of, you know, a sore arm or a flu-like illness for a day for those trade-offs. So what you're saying is, is that, that, our concern for our fellow human being should be enough for us just to even, even do this. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that with a straight face because I'm, I feel sad that as a society, we've grown to a point where so many people 
the narcissism of, mm. of our time to where we've, we've sort of glommed on to what's best for me. You know, this is all right, about, right. this is about me. Uh, oh, real estate prices are up. Oh, th- how could this be good for me? Even though it might be really bad for all, the other half of the people, you know, it's good for me, then it's good for me. And so I, I feel maybe I, maybe I'm just too, I used to feel more hopeful and optimistic about my fellow human beings. And, and now I, I don't know. And it, you know, listen, honestly, it could just be because the, uh, the kid in the apartment above me in this apartment building keeps playing basketball on their wood, on their wood floor. And it's, it's, I'm starting to look a little bit like Jack Nicholson in the shining. So I'm just, I'm just saying it could be just that, that I've been inside for too long during the last year. But well, well but it, it's also the incentives. That is, you know, the people, the, the CDC has been very rigid about masks and the incentives of getting vaccinated. And I think that's part of the problem we're having is people don't realize you get reentry, you get the pre COVID life. I mean, real life. And so you don't have to feel like you're, you're doing this without being vaccinated, but here you are, you're getting back into the mainstream, whether it's, you know, going out to being with uh, other people, with friends, getting to, you know, going to a shopping mall, a restaurant, going to work, getting uh, travel, whatever you're doing, you're going to be doing it more safely. And so that confidence, you know, putting the CDC guidelines aside, because they've been very, very extra cautious. That's one of the most important things about an incentive for people to get vaccinated. Yes, I I actually um, I have started to do some things that I haven't done in over a year, and it feels really good. Um, you know, I've I've I mean, I guess I'm probably just taking baby steps at this point because I'm being extra careful. But um, but I don't want to be the cause of somebody else getting COVID. I still wear my mask, even though I have you know both shots of the Pfizer. Uh, vaccine. And by the way, on my second shot, I didn't feel a thing. In fact, I had to actually, I asked the nurse, are you sure there was anything in the, in the syringe? You know, because I I watch enough medical shows to know that if there was just air in the syringe, that's on its way to my heart and I'm about to die in a minute or two. No, she said the syringe was full. Uh, you, you, I said, I honest to God did not feel it go in. And a day later, I, I, I still didn't feel anything. Two days right. later, I didn't feel anything. Right. Well, you know, that's what most people don't realize is because they hear, like my experience of feeling like I had the flu for a day. But two-thirds of people don't feel anything when they get the shot, even the second dose, uh, you know, at, at all. And, but interestingly, when we check their heart rate through a sensor, like their, their fitness band or their watch, we can see a signal for two days that, you know, their body is – is, is churning out that really great immune response through, through their heart rate. So we know that even though you don't feel anything, it's working. It's a, it's a really remarkable vaccine. That's why we're so darn lucky. And uh, it's just unfortunate that there's this anti-science and, um, and fear stuff out there because we may not see another uh, vaccine with this profile of powerful and safe you know, for a long, long time, we've only seen one other one in the history of vaccinology. 
And that was what? That was the HPV vaccine that had this similar 95% efficacy. Uh, otherwise, we just don't have this. I mean, most vaccines are not as uh, effective and not and, and don't have this kind of safety profile and don't take 10 months to develop uh, from the time of having a sequence of the virus. I mean, we just move uh, at, a, at a velocity that's unprecedented. And fortunately, the virus, that spike protein of the virus, proved to be like hitting the side of the barn target. I mean, every vaccine works really well, especially the ones that are uh, licensed uh, out in the U.S. So we, we got lucky in that respect. And the fact is, the vaccines that we have are working against all the variants. South Africa, United Kingdom, Brazil, uh, all of them, the New York the California variant, we've got really powerful vaccines and we are so damn fortunate. So when, how, so I love your optimism here. Does it carry over to the other things that we hear, are hearing now? Cause it seems like all the governors are, are wanting to just reopen everything, get it all open, uh, crowd back into theaters, uh, into enclosed, you know, indoor spaces that don't have windows. Um, does this sound right to you or are we going too fast? Well, you know, I think the problem we have, and I, I think you have commented on this too, Michael, we don't have a national strategy or one that we can enforce. That is, we're balkanized with each of these states that are doing their own thing. So that we're not all working together. And the problem with that is if you're a state like, you know, Vermont or New Hampshire, you know, you've got exemplary vaccination. You're way out there. You're already 15, 17 percent points above some of these red states that are just not, you know, with the program. You know, then opening up is reasonable. But opening up when you have poor vaccine coverage in your state, that's a problem. But we don't have a way centrally as a nation to, to um, you know, have this uh, concordance, this you know, definitive uh, strategy to control and not just for one day or one week, but durably get out of this pandemic. And the reason why that also has rippling ways is it isn't like this virus o obeys, you know, state borders. So the states that are not doing a good job, those people are going to be traveling more uh, to the other places and we're going to see outbreaks. So that's why we really need a cohesive national strategy and that's unfortunate because you know many governors are just doing their own thing so are you saying there's no way we can get that we can make that happen i i think there's probably ways to do it but you know we haven't we certainly hadn't it was out of control totally uh, uh throughout last year um but you know now the question is are we going to get some teeth and say you know what if you're a state that only has 30 some percent people uh, vaccinated Whereas others are, you know, 55, 60%, we, we have to, you know, get into a remedial plan here before you can start opening everything up uh, because we, you're going to expose the rest of the country. And we're going to be able to trace these outbreaks with genomic surveillance about where they came from. And invariably, they're going to be places that have, you know, soft uh, vaccine coverage. So, you know, I don't know the legality of this, but we because of this state a kind of supremacy of these decisions that puts us at a disadvantage as opposed to countries like the UK and Israel where they've got you know one healthcare system one nation and there's not you know this 
um, this balkanization. What What are you? Um, well, I would hope that would that would happen in our lifetime. I would hope it like it would happen in the next four years that uh, we have one universal health care plan in this country. It just seems to make common sense. And it shouldn't be a thing about Democrats or Republicans. It should just be, this is the smart way to do things. You know, we we have one federal highway system. It has certain uh, 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 procedures of how thick the cement should be, how, how (laughs) how we build the road and the bridge and the tunnel. And nobody seems to complain about that, that, right. you know, West Virginia should be able to build its, its, its own bridges the way they want to build them. Uh, nobody would say something like that. So uh, the fact that we wouldn't treat our own health, uh, that should be at the top of the list in terms of what we're concerned about. Yeah, and especially when you have a common enemy that's been so destructive, that's taken out you know, not almost 600,000 lives, and according to the revised excess mortality, closer to a million American lives. No less all the long COVID out there, and perhaps 10% of people of, you know, 30, 40 million people who have been infected. So, you know, if we had this common enemy and a, and a uniform response, we'd be doing even better than we are right now, which is, you know, we're getting better. We're, we're getting starting to achieve control for the first time. But, you know, we would be much further along if we were all um, working against the, this, uh, this virus together. What do you think? What are we, what are we reopening? Uh, what, do you think, what do you think in terms of what do you feel is safe to start reopening now? And what do you think we should just maybe slow down a bit on? Well, when you have people with the first dose, you know, overall we have um, 45% in the country, right right now, total population, and uh, 57% in adults. But that's the average, that, that's the overall country. We have certain states that are positive outliers, particularly in the Northeast, that are well beyond that, uh, you know, that are, you know, 60, 65% uh, adult, 70% even. Um, and uh, these are states that, you know, they probably can be wide open. That's what we've seen in Israel, the UK, and other countries that have had excellent at those levels, when you start to get a level that is as high as that, you can you can certainly relax the, all the the, the concerns, that, you know, the mitigation measures, and 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 get away with it. That is, you don't see then um, a, a recrudescence of, of the cases. So that that's what we we are already seeing the states that are leading the vaccination that are uh, really having you know excellent case reduction containment. And hopefully we'll just build on that. The difference, Michael, is striking. In the UK and Israel, over 95% of people over age 50 have taken the vaccine. 95%. And we're struggling. You know, we're we're like 60% over age 50, 65%. So the gap here for the people at risk, obviously age is is a, a cardinal risk factor. So... We just don't, you know, when I, when I ask my UK colleagues, how do you get to 95% and we can't even, you know, get into 60s? They say, well, we don't have Fox News over here. Oh, you know, yeah. they say we don't have the anti-science like you do. Right. And, and you know, we, have, we haven't done anything to take that on, you know, you know, seriously, like what you mentioned, 
the the idea of having fetal cells or that there's a, a chip in the vaccine that's tracking people, all this cockamamie stuff. We we don't do anything. And you know, Fox News is putting out toxic stuff every day. We do nothing to to uh, rein that in. So the UK and, and states and places that don't have all this disinformation, that seems to be what separates 95% versus 60-some percent. So this, so then this is really depressing because you think about, are, are we that stupid? I don't think of the Brits as being more intelligent than us. I, also, I almost said more smarter than <laughs> would have dis, disproven my point that they actually are smarter than, than we are. But, right. but 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 seriously though, it's like how why are we so gullible? Why are so many of us so gullible to this? And and why when did science become the enemy? You know, my dad right. my dad was a factory worker, General Motors, assembly line worker, UAW member. You know, these these are all these were all blue collar working class guys, white and black in Flint, Michigan. And you know, when I remember when when I was just a little tiny tyke, but I remember President Kennedy running and they were all so excited about voting for Kennedy, not only just because he was a Democrat and he was pro-union and this and that, but because he was smart. They loved the fact that he was smarter than them. Right. They thought it was good that he went to Harvard. You know, that was a good thing to factory, factory workers. And it was like, where did we make the turn that being smart was bad? I, I just, it just has blown my mind. Well, you know, it's a really important point you're making. You know, we didn't really have a, a, a major anti-vaccine um, se- uh, sector uh, in this country until the likes of Andrew Wakefield uh, and, the, and the fabricated data published in The Lancet a number of years ago. And we've never been able to get control of that with some celebrities that you know, continue to endorse this whole idea of the, the, the ignorance that people would get autism from a vaccine for measles or mumps or rubella, yeah. whatever. Now, what happened last year with Trump who didn't want to wear a mask and was anti-science and pushing medications like hydroxychloroquine, calling convalescent plasma the, the very historic breakthrough, we got into a new phase of intensive anti-science. Uh, and that has, there's like a sub, there's a subcult or a culture that was bred by that, nurtured by that. And these people just won't let go. And that's what we're dealing with now. And it's, it's just, you know, really unfortunate. Dr. Topol, if you don't mind, um, I just need to give a quick shout out here to our underwriter for today's episode, and that underwriter is Raycon. So I'll say this, first of all, one of the best things about being vaccinated is it's been thinking about all the places uh, that I can now visit where I can go, even if it's just a walk in the park, a ferry ride across the river, uh, maybe even a a trip uh, back home to Michigan, which I'm planning here very soon. Whatever it is, work, play, just getting out of this uh, pandemic, a lot of us are going to be on the move again, hopefully as early as this summer. And if that's the case, then one essential thing for all of us is the ability to listen to music, put things in our ears. It doesn't have to be music. It can be an audio book. It can be any, any of a number of things. And one of the things I'll be taking on my trip back home 
will be my Raycons. These wireless earbuds that not only fit my ears <laughs> really well, better than anything I've, I've tried before, but also just because the quality of it is so cool. I'm not going to waste hours listening to music and something that isn't right. And these Raycons are more than right. So whether you're listening to podcasts or music, maybe even meditating, a pair of these Raycon wireless earbuds provide the crisp, powerful beats at half the price of these other premium audio brands. And Raycons are also built to last for a 24-hour battery life, too. So that's a good thing. You can get through the day, the night, the whatever, long road trip, and they don't need to be recharged. So Raycon, for those of you who are Rumble listeners, is offering 15% off all their products. And here's what you've got to do in order to get the discount. You just have to go to buyraycon, that's B-U-I, buyraycon.com slash rumble. Got to put that in there. And you'll get your 15% off anything that you want to purchase from Raycon. So 15% off at buyraycon.com. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash rumble buyraycon.com slash rumble. Tell them uh, that you're grateful too for supporting rumble and supporting uh, the work that we do. How do we reach out and hold our hand out to otherwise good people who've just bought in to this insanity? What, what is, I just think about this every day and every day it seems like I run across somebody, uh, who says to me that they just don't trust it. And, and these are what I would think of as liberally minded people. And I don't know what to say. Well, I mean, there's probably within that group of people that are, you know, uh, being fed this mis disinformation, uh, there are probably people that are receptive and enough open-minded that they will learn what is the truth and what's been, you know, truly fabricated. Um, but we're not, we're not taking it on. I mean, I get a good example is last night I was watching the uh, interview of Jimmy Kimmel and Tony Fauci. And uh, during that interview, uh, Jimmy Kimmel uh, played um, a Tucker Carlson clip as part of the Q&A to Tony Fauci. And Tony's just too gentle. Instead of saying, you know, he's lying and, you know, this is wrong, we don't have our the leaders in our country, whether it's the president or, you know, Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, or Tony Fauci, any of the major spokespeople who are basically setting the record straight. They're, they're gentle. We don't have a, a fact checker for this country of uh, the conduits of disinformation. And that is a problem. Uh, and, you know, I think until we get that, we're, we, that, that subgroup of people who have been fed this disinformation, who could be converted to reality, you know, we, we, we're not going to get them converted. But we used to have doctors. I remember growing up, there were doctors who were very, very forceful in their speaking and in their sharing of the facts, you know, with the American public. And people would listen to them. Strong voices. I remember even Dr. Remember Dr. Spock, the baby doctor? Right, right. I mean, he was an outspoken doctor. 
and got a, a whole generation to think differently about babies and and how to raise them, you know, without throwing them against the wall because <laughs> they weren't. Yes. They, yes. Yeah, the baby the baby wasn't walking by one year old, so you pick the kid up, throw him against the wall. God damn it, start walking. You know, he he got no he he changed he changed the culture, like yeah. a, a societal culture of how to treat babies and children, and and those voices. Uh, I mean, this is why I appreciate I appreciate your voice, but we we don't have the sort of um, what you just described, the kind of forcefulness of, look, these are the facts, right. Yeah, no, we, we've obscured what is truth and facts uh, over the last four years with an administration that, you know, was was lying profoundly, and especially when it came to the pandemic. And now that blurring, without a force, you know, we can't have gentle stuff to get this on track in terms of these are the truth, facts, uh, this is what you need to know, and this is what is wrong and untruthful and actual frank lying fabricated. We don't have a, a, a medium yet established to do that. I, I wish we would get that going. Well, I mean, there is you. I mean, you do. You don't get in trouble, do you? Saying the things you say on social media. No, I just get, the, I get the, the the trolls on Twitter that you know. I just mute or block them, whatever. No, I I don't get. It. I just yeah. I, I I just I can deal with that. And, you know, when I do have uh, opportunities to be on whether, you know, uh, CNN or whatever slots that I'm doing, I, I just tell it like it is. And, you know, I'm sure there's some people that complain or think that it may not be true because they've been entrained uh, by other news outlets, particularly uh, Fox News, but uh, perhaps others. But, you know, just I think we just don't have enough of that. Mm. We have this gentle approach, uh, which is, you know, we'll we'll just – Instead of taking on the, the disinformation, um, we will just kind of gently um, put out what is truthful without confronting it. Yeah, that's the counteroffensive that's missing, which would help us, I think. But when you do that, like you don't get a call uh, after you're on CNN from Mr. Scripps or whoever the head of the Scripps uh, <laughs> Research Center. Is oh no, saying, no, hey, no. uh, Eric, uh, tone it down there. <laughs> Tone it down there a bit. Never, never, never had that. The, only, the worst will be I'll get an email. People will find my email and, you know, send something really vulgar to me. And But no, no, where I work, people are are, are very uh, happy to see standing up for for the facts and, and and what's true of what we know in the pandemic and vaccines and, and the virus and, and whatever. So, no, that's not been an issue at all, Michael. Right. And maybe, and also maybe... I mean, because you're so well-known and uh, so respected, you have like a, a chair named after you or something at the University of Michigan. I, I mean, is it called a chair or is it a, is it a, is it a, it's a chairman? What is it called? It's a professor. Chair, chair. yeah. It Endowed is a chair. chair by the oh, University a, of Michigan. Okay, the so topal chair, right? The topal chair. All right. Not a full, not a full living room set. But no. you, you have the, the topal chair. I have, I have been begging Michigan State. Just to name a lazy boy after me, you know, and it would, I would come there. I, I would teach for free, you know, but I'm just so, so, but my, my point is all kidding aside is that this is so serious. Gentility is not what is called for in the moment that we find ourselves in. And, 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 um, 
I, I sometimes I just sit here and I'm just, I'm just, I feel, I feel bad for Fauci half the time. And I just, you know, I, and I, but I just wish he would just like, just, just say it. Cause yeah. people would let out such a, a scream of relief. Um, if he would just say what needs to be said, cause I don't think we need to pamper the public. I think people know the seriousness of what was the report out from the university of Washington, uh, and that fine medical department they have there where they, um, they said it probably really isn't nearly 600,000 dead from COVID in the United States. It's probably closer to 900,000. That's right. IHME. Exactly. You, and I, I think explain their data is, explain is, that. Yeah. So the underreporting of deaths, uh, because the way that you can best calculate it, uh, because there are a lot of people who have died from COVID that never made it to the hospital or were miscategorized. But the best way to do it is look at your prior years, the same time and see what is the excess mortality. And that's been used now, not just in the US, but around the world. And what we're seeing is we only capture yeah, at, you know, 40% or you know, 60% or at some countries, 50% of the actual number of deaths that can be attributable uh, to COVID. So yeah, we, we're, we're pushing a million. That's probably the true number in this country or will be in, in the weeks ahead. And um, I, I think that still misses the point regarding not just loss of lives, but the quality of lives through long COVID. I have you know many colleagues and patients who are suffering still yes. m- months later uh, from long COVID. And we yeah. don't, that doesn't still get enough respect. So we, the best way of preventing long COVID and people dying is to squash this virus and to crush it and get us down to as close to zero. We'll take one out of 100,000 people. That will be our goal. And we will get there if we, you know, get this 70% by July, we'll look, we'll look pretty good and keep pushing. You know, don't stop at 70. And it, you know, because we have that cushion of the 100 million people plus who've had prior COVID, that's going to help us. And we will, we will this year, uh, certainly by late summer, I think be in excellent shape. And by crushing it, you mean get vaccinated, get as many people vaccinated as possible. Exactly. As fast as we can. Get ahead of the virus. You know, we're in a race with this virus, and the sooner we get there at that highest level possible, the 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 sooner we really get to that. You know, we contain it. When I say contain it, you know, if you get down to one per hundred thousand people with COVID, or you know, yeah, close to, or less than that, that should be the goal. Forget this silly concept of the herd. Just let's get to one per hundred thousand, and we're golden. Drop the herd is what you're saying. Don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, we've heard enough of the herd. We've heard enough of the herd. Just everybody get vaccinated. And yes. we, and because we want to get ahead of it because there's these new variants that are coming and you want to beat that variant. Yeah, once you've got your immune system revved up, the variants, you know, we, we've now learned, we, ha- we have not yet seen a variant that isn't responsive to the vaccines we've got in the U.S. So as long as we get people, their immune systems revved up, you know, we're good and, and we'll stay good. I mean, that is, we, we've got other parts of the world that are definitely in trouble, you know, but this country, if we get that protection at the highest possible level, we'll stay, we'll have built the wall, the right kind of wall, Michael, the right kind of wall that is the wall against COVID. Would you go see a movie in a movie theater tonight? 
No, 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 we're not ready for that. No. But but we will be uh, if we if we stay with this. Maybe when by we don't the, let by up. The, you know, we by we the got fall. The four, maybe by the oh, fall. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. We you know we got in this country to four point six million vaccine doses in a day. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And if we keep if we keep pushing to get to that point, that's when we'll get we'll get to the movie theater even right. earlier. Right. Well, that should be a good incentive. At least it would be for me. Uh, but for other people who want to do go and do other things, the sooner the better. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any final words that you'd like to share? You're you're talking to hopefully a few hundred thousand people here. Um, you know, what would you like to say to the people who are listening? I would just say, you know, we're really lucky. Uh, we we are so fortunate that we have. Just think if we didn't have these vaccines, where we'd be right now, we'd be in the millions of people dying yeah, and, and tens of millions of people with long COVID um, and, and hospitalized. So, you know, we are really lucky. I don't think, and the fact that all these variants come along and we still can squash them with this vaccine. So I, I, I just think don't, don't miss out on this luck. Free vaccine. It's free. It's a deal. It's a deal. It's so protective. It's with almost no significant durable side effects. I mean, it's just remarkable. This, as I've written, is the most impressive biomedical triumph in history. Wow. So take advantage of it. I mean, we're, we may not see something like this again for generations that this this successful wow. in life science and medicine. Well, uh, thank you for the work you do. Thank you for the things you've said here. And, uh, and I encourage everybody um, to please, 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 please uh, go get your shot. And if you've got your first shot and you're scared to get the second one, don't be. Go get, right. go get that second shot. All right. You, you, you are more likely Mrs. Eric Topol than you are Eric Topol. <laughs> Exactly. Right. You got that right. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. Well, we live in a different time now. We don't refer to her as Mrs. Eric. <laughs> That's not, God, that sounds so 1950s. It's like, <laughs> but uh, but no. But seriously, though, um, uh, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Um, yeah, science has our back here. So you got it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Doctor Eric Topol. Uh, uh, from the Scripps Research Center, all the work, good work you've done out there in San Diego and elsewhere, and, and all the good facts that you give the public via social media. It's much appreciated. Keep doing the work you're doing. Keep going on CNN. Uh, let's get this word out there. We can, lick, we can lick this this summer. We can do it. I do believe that. And, and, you, and anybody who's seen my movies or has listened to me knows that I am not an optimistic person. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, 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 and I have every cynical, critical bone in my body is still there. And I'm telling you, I believe in this and I, and I encourage everybody uh, to get wow. vaccinated. Yeah. So. Well, thanks for all you're doing, Michael. Real pleasure to be with you today. Likewise. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Eric Topol. And uh, thank you all of you uh, who've listened to rumble uh, today. This is Michael Moore. And this is Rumble. Everybody is on. Shots, shots, shots.